Hi, welcome to the ACA, Adult Children Voices Across America Speaker Meeting. If you'd like to attend this meeting live, go to adultchildren.org, click on Online Meetings, and then scroll down to find Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific Time. Tonight's speaker is Michael from Las Vegas, Nevada, and recently moved to the state of Washington. Hi, everybody. I'm Michael, a little child. I can hear all the roars and the laughter in the background. <clears throat> we need like little signs or something like, yay, welcome. Um, first of all, it's an honor and a, ple a pleasure, or I don't, don't call it a pleasure, <laughs> I won't call it that, um, privilege at any time to be asked or to volunteer or to make myself available to share the support of what I've been given to 12-step programs, and it's primarily ACA. <clears throat> um, I want to thank the people that I reached out to, my fellow travelers, and I love the ACA version of support because for me, it's always never been about one up or one down. It's all that we're all on the same path together and we're all walking through our own childhood stuff as, um, as a whole. And, um, and I appreciate all of those who have reached out to me or said they would attend or that are here. And um, I appreciate you, Julie, for doing this and, um, and recording it. And I listened to you last week. And so now I feel better because <laughs> I know how nervous and worried you are. Like, why is she so nervous and worried? I'm like, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like panicking. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's not even funny because I'm, I do this all the time. I've been in recovery in ACA for a long time. Um, I made notes. So that's how nervous I am. I never make notes. I just like wing it and you're going to get whatever comes out of my mouth in the moment. So I'm trying to like focus, breathe. So I want to thank my higher power. for saving my life and bringing me into recovery in ACA. <clears throat> I wanna thank my inner child for surviving what he did despite my best efforts in a lot of times to, um, to extinguish my own spirit and in a lot of ways, in some unconscious ways of taking my own life. Um, I'll get more to that later, obviously. Um, to all the people who have been the fellow travelers that I've known over the time I've been involved in ACA, um, I'm really nervous. <clears throat> I'm like no better, no worse, no different, no more knowledgeable, no less worthy, no more capable or confident than anybody else. My sponsor for my primary, they call it your secondary addictions, my primary program that I've come into and I've been a part of since 1988, used to tell me I'm just an average run-of-the-mill recovering human being. I'm not special or unique. Um, I'm going to read from my notes now. <clears throat> I came to uh, my, Michael, I said that already. I got basically um, involved in 12-step programs in 1988. Um, I was basically 13-step by my roommate's girlfriend into a meeting in Narcotics Anonymous when I thought I was going out and scoring her this thing and I was going to get compensated by that. She took me to a house on Annie Oakley, way back on the east side of town in Las Vegas, Nevada, where I got clean. And um, I didn't know what I was doing there. I'm like, what are we doing? Like, why did you bring me here? 
accidentally, <clears throat> there was a meeting called Recovery Road. The clubhouse had just started back in those days. And I was doing my three or four meetings a day, you know, like 90 meetings in 90 days. And just by accident, I walked into one of their side meetings, which used to have like the Al-Anon and all the other side meetings because AA clubhouses and NA clubhouses were kind of like a thing back then. And there wasn't a lot of like consistency. So we missed, we mostly met in churches. Oh, so this is my very first piece of ACA literature. So this is back in 1988 and it's basically hand typed information. So back in 1988, I walk into the side room where they have these other 12 step programs and I end up walking into an ACA meeting. Um, on that table, after I was cleaning up and helping clean up after the meetings and the meeting, the ACA meeting was over that one afternoon or evening, Friday evening. There was a book that was photocopied that somebody left behind of Alice Miller, Prisoners of Childhood or the Drama of Gifted Children. So I came into recovery knowing what happened to me in my past. I knew um, what happened to me. I never talked about it. I never shared it with anybody. I never knew what it meant. Um, and it blew me away to be in an ACA meeting. So I would go to any meetings in the daytime and go, oh, I'm clean. I'm recovery. I'm riding my bicycle. I, you know, I'm going to work. I have a job. I have my own apartment. I'm actually paying bills. The first time in my whole life. And I go to the ACA meeting. It's like I want to blow my brains out. Like I can't stand my boss, and they're threatening me, intimidating me. And I go home, and I'm frightened. And I'm scared, and all the stuff that you feel when you first come to ACA, being overwhelmed by the laundry list. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> let's see here. Um, I spent my whole life in recovery in, in Narcotics Anonymous in ACA in Las Vegas, Nevada. I got involved in intergroup right away. I became a chair, vice chair, secretary. I was heavily involved in the ACA program in Las Vegas, Nevada in the early 90s. Um, I've left there a year ago and I moved to Washington. So I'm no longer in Las Vegas, Nevada after I've lived there my whole life for 58 years. I now am on a cottage on the ocean in the middle of British Columbia surrounded by a marine reserve right on the ocean. I bought a retreat in the middle of the mountains. And the reason I kind of bring this up is when I was like nine, 10 or 11, we went to Yellowstone. My dad used to take us on summer trips. And I remember asking him at the Grand Tetons at the entrance of Yellowstone, this is where I want to live. And being a child, I remember two episodes. My parents had a party and I went out there and I told like 15 adults laughing screaming, yelling, and drinking to be quiet because my brother and I were trying to go to sleep. And I remember the shock on their face, seeing this little 11-year-old kid come out and just take charge. I told my dad, I want to live here. And he said, you'll never live here. He said, you can't make money. You can't have a job. It's the same thing he told me in my teenage years when I played the guitar and I told him I wanted to be a musician and write music. He said, you'll never make a living. I never forgot the dream of my little 11 year old kid just wanting to be in nature, surrounded by the forest and the mountains. And I basically grew up and lived in the desert my whole life. Um, in Las Vegas, in those times, I got my yoga teacher training in yoga. I was going back and forth to Berkeley. A lot of my friends already know this history about me, but I kind of thought I'd give you a little bit of identity of who I am today. Um, and all this is a result of going to ACA. So anything I share, I learned by going to ACA, like how to stand up for myself, not to be afraid of authority figures, learn how to take care of myself. So I went back and forth to Berkeley. I learned a lot about trauma and energy classes. I got my yoga teacher training through 
Hibbs Yoga in Las Vegas. Um, we studied psychology and Wilhelm Reich and Alexander Lohan and Sigmund Freud on the generics, like the, the process of growing up. Like, what does it take to be a healthy human being? Um, I've been teaching, running workshops for about nine years on the trauma work I learned in these classes in Berkeley. Um, I've been teaching meditation, or I've been doing meditation and, and taking yoga for 32 years. So I've got a lot of history of really strong spiritual background. Like I started going, Gary Fike was my first yoga teacher, meditation teacher. Some people might know that from Las Vegas over 30 years ago, but he was a place where I would go spend like two or three times a week, just going to yoga and teaching and learning meditation. That's where I actually ended up meeting um, my wife was in that yoga class. Um, and the reason I've done all this stuff is because it was the tools I learned in ACA on how to clear out the wreckage and the trauma of my past. So if I felt unique or unwanted or undeserving or unneeded or not valued, the way I went about getting the, the skill to be a healthy, loving parent was by taking a lot of classes and courses and workshops on what it takes to be that kind of a person. Um, so here's a little bit more about the recent past too. My dad died four years ago on January. Um, he basically drank himself to death. He never stopped drinking. He was an active, violent alcoholic right to the very end. He would smuggle in alcohol. I'm 32 years clean, going to the grocery store, buying two fifths of gin a week and taking them to my dad. And he's smuggling in two other fifths of gin every week on top of that. And he was 83 when he basically passed. He had cancer. He was in a wheelchair. Um, he was never a nice man. He was violent right till the very end. Even his death was violent. Um, my mom passed away that same year in November. So if he died January of 2017, my mom died that same year. So I buried my dad, filed a divorce, flew out to Niagara Falls, Canada, where my mom relocated and lived most of her life. She passed away and died at 83 in November 2017. She'd gotten clean in AA, sober, and she came to AA when I was 15 and used to drag me to meetings with her in 1977. It took my mom almost 22 years to get clean. So she went in and out of AA from 1977 till 2000. Um, and I don't even want to like get into that now, maybe a little bit later, but those years of my first early recovery from 1988 of her threats of suicide, trying to kill herself till up until 2000 was, um, we'll talk about that later. It was, yeah, it was a thing. So mom and dad died. Um, they're gone. My brother basically passed away from an unconscious. He died on a motorcycle accident, DUI. And my mom's funeral, when I went to Niagara Falls and I put my mom down and all that stuff, you make the funeral and you say the prayers and like send them off to God. The big AA meeting is, oh, this is so cool. So I go to an AA meeting. I know this is an ACA, but this is the only AA thing I'm going to give you. In my mom's home group in Niagara Falls, I go in there. My mom passed away, whatever, that night, Friday, I got there. The next day, whatever, I can't remember. She's dead. And I go to her home group. And they open up the meeting. We want to say a moment of silence for a member of our group that's been with us for 20 years and dedicate the serenity prayer to Carmen Bulanda, who passed away last night. And the whole meeting 
stood silent and held space for me to just lose it. And see a hundred people in recovery say a prayer for my mom. It was mind blowing. So that was my mom. My brother died. So my mom dies. I find a stack of letters from my brother I knew already exist of suicide notes to my mom from when he was 21 years old in 1985, begging God to take his life and wish he was dead. And he died on a motorcycle in 1985 on Thanksgiving, November 27th, 1985. So that's about me. Um, <clears throat> went to my first meeting, um, 11 years to the date. So my mom went to her first meeting January 3rd, 1977. I went to my first meeting in Narcotics Anonymous January 3rd, 1988, unconsciously. So the thing I talk about with my brother, his death, my continued wreckage and drug addiction behind my brother's death, that basically a God directed me, a higher power, brought me to the rooms of the 12-step programs 11 years to the day that my mom went to her first meeting on January 3rd. <clears throat> How I found out was on January 13th, 1988, my mom slipped on the ice and shattered and broke her shoulder on my brother's birthday, and she had one more time attempted to take her life. And I left Las Vegas, went out to Philadelphia, took her to rehab, took her back to meetings. Um, I don't share this that often. So when I show up at her apartment, 1988, I'm three to six months clean. Some people have already probably heard this. I walk into my mom's apartment. She wouldn't get out of the bed to go to the bathroom. So basically she's covered in shit and there's beer cans, beer bottles, and empty pill bottles all throughout the apartment. So I roll her over, I change the sheets, I put my mom back in the bathtub, I change them, do all the sheets, I make all the bed, I pick my mom up, I put her back in bed, I go back to Las Vegas, she's loaded within a couple of months. And the first trigger I had in recovery in 1988 was my mom touching me and my skin cold. And so I've spent 30 years to when my mom died this last three years ago, and she went into the hospital. I took her home. She freaked and screamed in the middle of the night because she goes, where's the nurse's station? Because all she ever wanted to do was go home. And I said, you're not in the hospital. You're in your house. And I would take her up and I would underneath the bottom of her bed were pill bottles stacked this high everywhere on my knees crying four years ago, 32 years clean going, how did I end up here again? But this time, I picked my mom up, put her in the bathtub, naked, dressed her, picked her back up, put her back in her bed, and I didn't feel anything but love and understanding and sympathy and willingness <laughs> that this won't go on a whole lot longer. For my dad, I told God, my dad got cancer and they put him in a wheelchair and <clears throat> moved him out of his home like he lived in an apartment for 40 years, no one ever been in. My dad's whole family, Never knew where my dad lived. My dad had four aliases, and he had bank accounts all over the world. <clears throat> nobody knew anything about my dad. He was a secret black sheep of the family, and nobody wanted to know anything about him, and he liked it that way. When he got cancer, when we took him to the hospital, when I said, you can't go home, go into assisted living facility, I had to go to his doctor and get a prescription for alcohol to give to the assisted living facility. I told God, I will not do this for more than two years. I'm telling you right now. And we had it out for two or three years until he passed away. So that's enough about me. Where are we at? <clears throat> I don't even know if I started my timer. 
Okay, I'll say I've been doing this for 20 minutes. <clears throat> so, holy crap. Um, at 15 years, I went to Bradshaw. I've been doing ACA and um, doing inner child work, um, doing a lot of recovery. And a good friend of mine who's here in this meeting um, in my primary program, I basically had an ACA, a ACA bottom. All that stuff that was going on with my mom after 15 years of being clean and trying to take care of myself wasn't going away. And all her attempts to tell me that she wanted to die and told herself I wasn't able to manage any better than I did when I was getting loaded or when I got clean. So through some friends and support, I went to a trauma program called Unsight. I had 15 years in recovery and I started doing really in-depth trauma work on my own stuff about how to learn how to be my own loving child and my own loving parent through a lot of trauma work. Um, like the covert incest, I don't know, the PTSD, covert incest, waking the tiger, which is about stored trauma in the body. So the reason I like ACA program, and I probably don't do really well with notes, is um, to self-abandonment. My sponsor, my program has been asking me forever, like, how does that continue to own you, was about being in the cells of my body. So for me, ACA is learning that the cells of my body carry the imprint of generations, or at least my mom and dad, for sure, neglect, abandonment, and abuse. The process I learned of unraveling that step, there's some things in the step groups I'm working on, and a person brought out the fact in the second, third step that we bundle emotions. So in my process of bundling emotions, if my mom threatened to kill herself, I had fear, anger, shame, hurt, loneliness, responsibility, guilt, all wrapped up in one. So learning to untangle all those different emotions through my inner child work and visualization and characteristics of growing, I had to kind to detangle and kind of separate all that from my two-year-old to my five-year-old to my nine-year-old when stuff got really weird between my mom and I up to 13 when things got totally inappropriate. So I had to figure out how to like work through all of that stuff in ACA. Um, so obviously I got really involved back in ACA again after having about 15 years of doing a lot of personal work and recovery, but I didn't have, I still felt owned by my boss when he yelled at me. I, st I got married at 10 years clean. I still felt like my wife made my decisions for me. I was still very much like the people pleaser, the easy go lucky, you know, anger wasn't acceptable. Shame was kind of something I lived with. The acting out and a lot of different inappropriate behaviors were still a huge part of my life. Um, they were nowhere near like what I was doing when I was in my 20s or my 30s, but getting into my 40s, I got clean when I was 27, 37, 37, getting down to 40 years old, it's getting old. And so Ken Richardson, through going through some workshops that helped me get where I needed to go in a, a men's retreat, said that um, it's like I use my inner child to get people to approve of me. I make my inner child my scapegoat. Like he becomes the means that I create all my relationships with other people. And basically he kind of called me out on it. And it's like, it's not okay for you to use your inner child to make you okay. And I didn't understand that for a long time. And what happened in that men's retreat is that I started crying. And the problem that happened after that 
is I couldn't stop crying. And I don't ever remember crying. I can cry at a movie. I can cry at Disney. I can cry over Valentine's Day. I can cry over being lonely. I can cry over my wife yelling at me and my dad calling me a worthless piece of shit. But I was never able to cry for me. And in that workshop, we did this inner child work where you would role play it out. And in that process, um, I saw myself and I saw myself being loved. And it fucked me up. Because my whole life has been convincing you and everybody that I don't deserve that. And that's my way of protecting myself. You can call it denial. You can call it, you know, a blaming inventory, like not taking responsibility for self-abandonment. I don't know what you want to call it. All I know is that when I was sitting on that massage table and I couldn't stop crying, and it's the ugly cry. It's like where shit and stuff's pouring out of your face and onto you, and you can't, like, make it stop. It took over. It's like pulling the plug. So then I did the onside, I did the trauma, I did the workshops, I did all the recovery stuff I needed. Let's see here. In the second step, there's a part in ACA where it says you have a sovereign right to God's. Like, I get to belong. I remember being in my primary, or I call it secondary program, the other programs were all my abstinence. I remember being in those meetings and going, I belong. And people would look at me like, I'm sorry, what are you talking about? I'm like, no, you don't understand. I belong. I belong in this body, in this room, on this computer, talking to every one of you, whether you're listening, not listening on video, not on video. None of that has to do with whether or not I belong. My birthright on this planet, in this world, by my higher power, guarantees that I have a right to be heard and seen and felt. And that's what ACA gives me. ACA gives me the power to know that the power of love is stronger than the power of fear I lived in. And I don't know a lot about the ACA literature. I'm not a book thumper, but I know the program inside and out. And one of the things it says is ACA is not a replacement for other 12-step programs. And I get really tired in my ACA meetings when I hear, oh, and... A-A-N-A-C-O-D-A-O-A-G-A-D-A. No, no. I work my primary other NA program with the steps, the sponsor, the traditions, service work. And ACA doesn't supplement that. ACA doesn't give me a free pass. I have to do all of that in order to know what it feels like not to belong. In order to know what it feels like to be ashamed. My mom touched me. I'm like, okay, fine. Here, put you in your bed. Like, go put her in the car. <laughs> so my dad's funeral, right? My dad had a couple wishes. One is he wanted to be buried with the skis. So I walk into the funeral with these big, giant, long skis and a sawzall. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, is this the ski resort? He's like, no, this is not the ski resort. Like, get the hell out of here. I'm like, no, no, I'm here to see Cheyenne. That's my dad's nickname. I'm like, Cheyenne. I'm like, yeah, the guy in the coffin back there, like, what are you doing? I'm like, his last dying wish is like stick his skis inside of the car. I'm like, like, what's the sawzall for? Well, if they don't fit and they're too long, I'm going to cut it out. Like, that was my dad. It was like he was just this crazy, outrageous cowboy who wanted things done his way. So I could do all of that stuff for him. But this is the key. The recovery of the 
freedom of forgiveness or acceptance of my parents. Like my dad cheated on my mom. He was violent. He left us. He, my dad was at the bar when I was born. Celebrating. What he gives me is the freedom to know that they don't own me. There's a friend of mine that goes to the meetings in Las Vegas on Sunday. And he used to say, I don't want anything from my parents. I was like, what's that even look like? <laughs> like, how can you not want something from somebody who is supposed to be your parent? And I tell people in my step groups, it's like, I want the color blue. My parents don't have it, won't have it, never had it. It's never going to exist. I am never going to get blue from somebody who doesn't even know what blue is. So if I need blue, I need to go to Gene. Hi, Gene. How you doing? I love you. You're freaking awesome and the support and just your smile brings a warmth to my heart. And I appreciate you and our fellow traveler groups. Like I'm running three different step groups, actually four different step groups. I'm locked up. So, oh, yeah. So my shit storm of um, notes here. I want to thank the freaking gifts from my higher power that made me me. I want to thank the gifts I got from Zoom, from the pandemic, being able to be in this platform with you today. And I want to thank my parents for the gifts to this little puppy dog. It's having that love that my mom was the kindest, gentlest little Irish petite, just oozing like I just want to love you and love you like I never did anything to you like I don't know why you're so upset with me like what did I ever do to you I just wanted you to love me and see I'm just like innocent naive whatever she told me all about the things that she used to do with the guys when she was in the bedroom with them which is a whole other story but like beside all of that the spirit and the soul of my mom is this part of me that's and you can talk to some of my freaking fellow travelers working my step groups it gives me my soul I got my soul for my mom. I got my determination from my dad, who hated everybody and hated everything. But he let you know if he didn't like you, which was probably everybody he ever met, he would fucking tell you, hi, Steph. I see you, please. <laughs> I was married. I walked into a room of ACA. <clears throat> I told him I was divorcing my ex-wife. She hated me. <laughs> we were like roommates and we were like friends, but the fucking <clears throat> didn't work. I've never had kids. Some of us in this format with me. Like, God forbid I was to bring another child in this world and fuck them up any worse than I was. I couldn't even consider the fact at 30 years old bringing a kid in this world because I was basically on the streets and homeless at 30. It took me five or 10 years to get my driver's license, get my shit together and get a job. So I was nowhere near being responsible in my mid-30s to even think about marrying somebody and having children. It just was never a part of God's plan for me. But my dad was, um, he was a hard worker. He was... You know, my dad used to pull over on the side of the road for every person that was broke down on the side of the road. And that's what I do today. I do like a lot of ceremony stuff and things. It's like, if somebody asked me for help, so I'll try to like, let me see here. This is kind of what I think I'm 
<laughs> I figured that wasn't going to last very long anyways um I have my chocolate and my water we're good so my brother when I came in my program and I had to deal with my ACA stuff my mom was inappropriate my dad was violent he was a rageaholic and I used to have fist fights blah 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 but the way I treated my younger brother two years under me was the same way that my dad used to treat me. And my first sponsor in my other program used to say, if you didn't know any different, like if you never had anything but blue, how would you ever give your younger brother anything more than blue? And so when I intimidated him, I threatened him, I bullied him, I made fun of him, I belittled him, I felt horrible. And my brother called me up and says, I'm desperate. I'm stuck. I'm in a really bad place. I need you to come help me. I need to move out of the dope man's house. They're shooting dope. Can you come over and help me? And I said, oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm busy. I can't do that. And then I went to his funeral. Last time I saw my brother, we were my dad's apartment getting loaded. He walked out that door, that door right fucking there, just like it was today. And he went down those steps. I gave him the helmet off the motorcycle I was wearing. And I got hit prod side by a car at 40 miles an hour and walked away. Didn't go to the hospital. In and out of hospitals, fatalities, deaths, punctured lung, broken ribs, fatalities. People died in motorcycle accidents I was in. My brother walks down the room with the helmet I was wearing. And a feeling came over me. And said, you'll never see him again. And when I saw my dad two weeks later on Thanksgiving, after being on a coke run until three o'clock in the morning, I walked in that room. I saw my dad on the floor, just like he was right there, crying. He goes, you got to do something for me. I said, no, I don't. He says, we got to go to the morgue. I said, no, we don't. And I got up and I ran out and I left. I never came back till his funeral. I felt like that was my fault. I felt like God was an eye for an eye and he was taking my life from me. And I did everything I could to prove him right. And for whatever reason, that was 85, 86, 87, 88, 88. Four years later, I sit here today. I don't know why. But I got about 15 people in here that might have a, a good idea because we're all working the travel traveler format of the yellow book we're all going through the four step together we're all like doing this thing as a group so yeah i'm thankful to god my brother oh shoot i ripped up my notes i forgot what i was going to say um where was i the aca meeting at noon in las vegas started out on a sunday group when i left there a year and a half ago and that meeting's exploded to like 50 to 80 people a day there's people from United Kingdom, England, Ireland, all over the world. And that meeting blows me away every day. And I'm a part of that service committee. I'm a part of doing the step groups with three different closed groups and another fourth open group. My regular sponsor, who I've had since back in, I did on-site. I met Kim Richardson. I did that breakdown in ACA where I fell apart. And I had to like process the psychodrama shit with my mom. I still talk to him on a regular basis. I still talk to my friends almost daily for my other primary program. And I'm probably doing Zoom meetings like a lot of us, if you're anything like me, um, where we're isolated, I'm probably doing Zoom meetings pretty regularly almost every day. I usually take a couple of days off. 
I was only doing about two or three days a week. Now I'm probably doing four or five days a week. I live on the Canadian border. Um, when both of my parents died, my brothers passed. I divorced my wife. Oh, I talked about this earlier. I went to an ACA meeting and the only place I feel safe is here. I'm gonna say this three more times. The only place I've ever felt safe is here. Well, in nature by myself. The only place, let me rephrase that. The only place I've ever felt safe in the presence of other people is in ACA. The only place I've ever felt like somebody gives a fucking rad's ass about me is an ACA. And the only place I've ever felt safe enough to tell somebody, sometimes I don't give a rat's ass about my own life and I wish I was dead, is here. And I have my other program and I like the people there, but here we have a format of no crosstalk. Here we have a format, we just have a, we're not the other 12-step programs. ACA goes above and beyond what those other programs offer. In our literature, I'm gonna wrap up here pretty quick in the next couple of minutes. In our ACA literature, it talks about and then talks about this quite a bit. Having a therapist might be a pretty good idea. So there's this thing that I used to say like five or 10 years ago, I was going to my primary programs. All I ever wanted from my parents were, were two things because they were divorced. They divorced when I was 14. My mom went to AA, came home, don't change anything. She gets a divorce. She starts bringing guys home from AA and they start sleeping together. And she gets to tell me about all their experiences on top of all the ones that she had with my dad. Really ugly scene. So they say, Two things. I have my mom and my dad. They're divorced, right? Dad just goes off, starts traveling the world. Mom gets remarried. The childhood guy tracks her down from her childhood, reproposes to her, scoops her up in Philadelphia when she was attempting to kill herself from drinking. Oh, that's it. And she goes back to Philadelphia. I used to find my mom's empty vodka bottles under my bed when I was a kid. My dad would get busted for having marijuana in my parents' bedroom and say it would belong to me. My brother found my dad's dope in the backseat of my pickup, his pickup truck, and I was blown away that I was getting beaten, hit, and intimidated and threatened. And my dad was doing drugs and out, cocaine and alcohol and, and smoking marijuana all the time. I only want two things from God to pay for all of my therapy. <laughs> I have been seeing therapists since I was probably 20. So my first sponsor was a therapist. So, with that being said, it worked out pretty good because I basically went able to find this house on, I basically lived about 30 minutes, about 45 miles from Vancouver. So I live next to my family in Vancouver. My plan is snowboarding, mountain biking, seeing my family, um, traveling, hiking. I'm retired, I'm 58. I have a pension. I was a union electrician for 30 years. I got money for my dad's retirement. I got money for my mom's house, house selling her house. I went into ACA four or five years ago and told them I was getting a divorce and I cried and I left Las Vegas and I moved here. So I've kind of come full circle. Like where I am today is what you see. It's like, I'm not a bad guy. If any of you are here and you're fairly new and you feel uncomfortable or you don't feel like you're ever gonna get through the, the childhood stuff and it's all bundled in this big bundle of bundling, and you're not sure how you'll ever fish through all of that. Um, I'm just here to let you know you can. I'm here to let you know you will. Main thing is I'm here to let you know you don't have to do it alone. And the biggest thing is the people in ACA, they hear me. And they don't hear these, they don't hear my words. 
Annie. The scared little child that didn't know how to take the fact when he came home from mom and she's passed out on the floor, or she'd forget to pick him up from school. Or the dad that would just scream and yell at him and hit him with a belt because he didn't know any way of treating a four-year-old kid other than completely punishing him. And they call it, in Bradshaw, they called it stealing him soul. Like by the time I was six, I was probably afraid of my own shadow. I've been around for 32 years. I've done a lot of crap. It's gotten me nowhere. But what it's given me is my, my ability to have relationships. It has somewhere in our bottom, like what brought you to ACA and what brought me to ACA? Because I knew I was not capable of loving another human being. And I knew, I was really knew, I was not capable of loving that inner child. So today I have two things, well three. I'm capable of loving my inner child. I'm capable of loving other people. And the biggest thing I've got is that I let people love me to the best of my ability. <laughs> I'm not fucking perfect. <laughs> so um, there's this. So this will be the last thing. I went to this workshop. He said, you have to know who you are to get out of your own way to make it about somebody else. And the somebody else I need to make it about is me. And it's my inner child. And it's Julie. And thank you for doing the work. And all those people, if anybody's interested in helping her out by being a, a coordinator, a timer, or a treasurer, it takes people behind the scenes to keep these meetings going. I hate COVID. I hate not being able to see my family. I hate the fact the border's closed, but it's given me, I don't know how many people are here today, but there was about 80 when I last looked that were logged on here today. And I have 80 people in my freaking living room having a meeting, living in a forest in the middle of wilderness surrounded by deers and trees and raccoons. And I'm living the life of my dream of my little 11 year old that want to be in the, the retreat in the woods surrounded by eagles. And I just get to meditate every night and make dinner and do yoga and do Zoom meetings. Thank you, Gene. Thank you, every one of you. Every one of you that's logged on right now, somebody somewhere somehow has hope that whatever you're going through, you'll get to the other side of it. And I believe by hanging in there and doing what you're doing here in this meeting today, will give you the courage and strength to get to the other side of it. And with that, that's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you so much, Michael. Learn to have fun. Oh yeah, my topic. Thank you. Ching ching ching. I even cleared this with my sponsor. He said it was okay. I could do this. I said if it's Thank okay you, with Michael. you, then I'm going to do Thank it. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Learning to how to have fun in our life. Like I get to kayak and mountain bike and Thank run you. around and my snowboard. So I want to learn how to have fun in my life. What do I do to have fun? That's my topic. Thank you, Michael. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you, 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 Michael. Th